Welcome to the Real Film Nerds Podcast. Welcome, 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 everyone, to another incredible episode of the Real Film Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hinshaw, and with me as always, my brother from another mother on the East Coast, Mysterious Mike Talent. So is this like the Bob Ross introduction? Very calm, like very smooth? No, I was trying to go for like the NPR introduction. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Was I nailing it? Sure. That's what she yes. said. You totally missed that. A good, that's what she said. I did. Damn it, Mike. Damn it, Mike. I'm, I'm sorry. So welcome, everyone. Another podcast that hopefully someone will listen to other than Meg's. <laughs> yes, Mike, you can take a sip of your beer. Today for Real Film Nerds, episode 155, we are talking about a little film that is setting the world on fire. Sam Mendes' 1917. Mike, go ahead. Give us the rundown. All right. Like you said, Matt, this is uh, directed by Sam Mendes. Uh, it's starring George McKay, Dean Charles Chapman, Colin Firth, and Benedict Cumberbatch. And this is about two young soldiers embark on a treacherous mission that they must accomplish, holding thousands of fellow soldiers' lives in their hands. This was quite the movie. I understand why it's gotten a lot of nomination buzz. Okay, so, Mike, where are we going with the structure? Because I know you got the structure in front of you. It's written down on one of your 12 Apple devices. Matt, this is where we usually talk about the technical parts of the movie, which this movie has quite a bit of technical stuff in it it's all technical man it's crazy the one shot war movie that took 40 to 60 takes per shot i just read an article about that 40 to 60 takes holy crap i don't even want to know how long it took them to shoot this movie man it was great the the cinematography on this at bare minimum has to win an academy award it has to it has to are you making a prediction right now yes right now what if 1917 isn't even like nominated are you gonna get mad (sighs) unfortunately it wouldn't surprise me hey when do the nominations come out do they come out tomorrow i think it's tomorrow i i do think it's tomorrow yeah yeah, because I know it's soon, because we're about, uh, I think we're a, a little over a month away from the Academy Awards. Yeah, I think it's tomorrow. Um, I got an email from the movie theater company that I usually watch the movies, and they're selling a thing where I could pay, like, I think 35 bucks and watch all the Best Picture nominees, all the, th- all the movies. Yeah, Harkins did that uh, last year, and I think they did it the year before. But they typically only do that down in the valley because you can go to one of their many different theaters to catch the different ones. Whereas here, we only have one Harkins Theater, and that would be a lot of movies taking up a lot of space. But if they run it like back to back to back to back, you could just knock out like one or two theaters. That would work. But anyways. Yeah, I think you would do it over a couple days or a few weeks. I don't know. I, I guess. I guess it really depends 
Well, I'm saying it right now, Michael. Right now. 1917, best movie of the year. You think best movie of the year? Yep. Granted, right. it technically came out this year, but they're lumping it in with last year's. I think it's the best movie of the year. I think it was incredible. I liked a lot, a lot of movies, but I 1917 is on a whole nother level. I'm kind of biased, though, because I'm a history buff, and I've talked about it where on previous pods about how uh, there hasn't been many World War One movies done, and this one was done really well. Some of the things they could have helped a bit more on, but for the most part, they definitely captured the feel, the sets, the scenes, the the basically everyone giving up on life that was involved in this war because they're all were going to die. They really captured that big time, and I loved it. Matt, I know you're a little bit biased, but I'm, I'm going to throw you a curveball, Matt. What do you think about how do you think the Joker movie is going to fare in this? Because, you know, that was an excellent movie as well. I feel like that's going to be nominated, and Joaquin Phoenix's performance was amazing. So what do you think? Now, now when it comes to Best Actor, I, I agree with the Golden Globes picking Joaquin Phoenix. I think Joaquin Phoenix just blew everyone else out of the water by a long shot don't get me wrong the acting is very very good in this film for sure there's but it's not at the level of joaquin phoenix joker is a good movie i enjoyed it quite a bit but i don't think it's the best movie of the year it's close it's damn close i think this one is i really enjoyed 1917 i'm with you man i you know i'm pulling for this if we get another freaking blue fish movie or whatever the heck uh the whatever that movie was um no I can't think of the name right now. You Lady know, in the you, Water? No. Uh that that was a uh M Night Shyamalan movie. No, the Yeah, I know. Oh shit. I'm getting the name the name confused. Aren't I? Yeah. Uh I I'll, I'll look it up. Hold on. Um but it, anyway, the I I felt like the last few years have been very disappointing on the best picture. And I feel like they can right a lot of wrongs by this movie winning. Um, there's There's been quite a few good movies that have come out this year, but man, I feel like this movie was really, really good. There's a lot of... I mean, seriously, 2019 was an incredible, incredible year for films. It's one of the best we've had in probably five or six years, I would say. I mean, I Joker, Endgame, Ford versus Ferrari... 1917 yeah. uh star wars granted star wars shouldn't be nominated for anything and i kind of agree with that i as much as i love star wars it just didn't do anything special as far as film goes it was still a good movie i enjoyed it but anyways. right right so okay so uh you figure out the movie i see you're looking at your iphone 1s <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, I'm i'm still looking hold on oh come on michael you know how to use the internet's well. Yes, I, I do, but I'm trying to think. I can't think of the 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 guy that I'm trying to think of his name. Um, <sighs> well, I can't help you out if you don't get more descriptive. <laughs> so he did. Um, then the guy that did the guy that did the thing in that one time with his one name, wearing those no pants. So you gotta he, get more descriptive than that. Yeah, Guillermo so, del Toro is that yeah, who you're talking that, about the director? That, yeah, 
Yeah, I couldn't. See, I couldn't re- even though you couldn't describe it, I was. I kind of could tell what you were going for. I just had to like give you some shit for a minute before yeah. I gave you his name. All right, Matt, you were really close. The Shape of Water. Son of a bitch! I knew it was something with water. So and that it had was a lady a tw- in it. Yeah, that was a 2017 movie. So uh, that was 2017's uh, best picture. I'm trying it, to think, it of was the- a good movie, but it was not the movie of the year. Not oh, in no, my no. opinion. As much as like Guillermo del Toro, that movie was freaking weird. It was, was great that sci-fi, the same though. year that uh, Three Billboards came out? Cause yeah, they got the shaft. Was... I loved Three Billboards. I thought that movie was phenomenal. I hated how it ended, but... Yeah, so I think Three Billboards didn't win because there was some controversy about some things. And that was lame because that movie stood on its own and it was awesome. All right, Mike, so you're done farting around? What are we, what are we getting next to on our structure? <laughs> Well, Matt, uh, usually we would talk about uh, some of the characters and things in this. There's not a lot of characters in this movie. So, Matt, do we just want to talk about the overall feel of the setting? Like, do you feel like this was very authentic? Uh, all the different props and the different things in this? Like, yeah, the, the I touched dress, on it a little the, bit earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it was quite on the mark. One thing that about the sets that I was talking about is that when world war one was going on basically anything and everything was completely decimated now you get that in the beginning of it of the film when they're trying to go through no man's land and the trench warfare and things like that but still even like the countryside where they were like walking through and they went by that um little farmhouse and stuff if it truly was world war one anywhere near the battlefield all that shit was leveled there were no trees there were no homes everything was freaking leveled everything now now matt uh being a history buff i'm going to ask a question this is the only thing that i was thought was maybe missing from this without giving away too much well you can I hold felt, on to it till later if you want but well well i i don't i don't think it's a big uh, i don't know Matt. uh i'm gonna ask you anyway okay so here you go um I felt like they didn't really touch on any of the gas stuff, like mustard gas and things like that. Oh, no, they didn't touch on it at all. And I don't know, I, that might have been a choice by Sam Mendez. Uh, I mean, I can get into it a little bit more later on because I did do a smidgen of uh, research on this film to see how much of it truly was a true story and how much of it was not. It is extremely, extremely, extremely loosely based on Sam Mendez's grandfather. And his experiences in World War One, because he volunteered and went out there at the age of eighteen or nineteen with the British Army, even though he was not in Great Britain, he was on one of the islands, one of the uh, Atlantic Atlantic islands that was being governed by the British. I think at oh, the time. Okay. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, Britain's empire is quite expansive, yeah. or, or it has been in different. It's, and it still was quite large at that point in time in our history. So anyways, yes. So the, the, the story is uh, very loosely, loosely based on that. And one of the things that his um, grandfather experienced and was injured for was gas. So I wonder if he wanted to leave it out just kind of in honor of his grandfather or if it hit a little too close to home. Because, like I said, it, it's extremely loosely bla- loosely based on his grandfather's story in World War One, and we can get into that more in the spoilers than now because it will ruin the whole movie. 
But uh, yeah, they left the gas completely out, but they also didn't have a whole lot of battlefield shots. Like if you pay attention, you never really see the Germans except for a handful of them in that one night scene that takes place in a town. You never see a big front of Germans. You mostly see British. Yes, yes, that is that is true. But it really plays into the story quite well, which I don't want to get into right yet. We will in the sto- in the spoilers, but uh, I think Matt, I, I you know I think for this movie I don't have too much more to talk about. I think I'm gonna have to ask you what you're drinking. <sighs> well, Mike, thanks for asking. I have a leftover uh, kind of beer, not beer. From the other day, I purchased some of these. I thought they were going to be like the Reds, but they're not. They're actually not quite as sweet, which isn't a bad thing. But I am drinking an Angry Orchard Hard Cider Green Apple. And I've always kind of preferred the Green Apple over the regular one because the Green Apple tends to be not quite as sweet. Well, this one's pretty pretty sweet. So, Oh, usually it's a little bit more sour, right? And it's kind of what you wanted. Yeah. Yeah, it's not bad, but it's a little, it's a little sweet. I don't know if you've drank many ciders, Mike, but the Reds, like the Reds, uh, regular red uh, cider, is like like super sweet, like super super sweet. And the Angry Orchard regular typically is not, but the Reds Green Apple is uh, really not sour, not sweet at all. It's kind of in the middle. It's really really good. And so I figured I'd try the Angry Orchard's Green Apple, and it's actually the opposite. It's actually sweeter than I think the regular one. Ah, it's still okay. good though. I'm still drinking it. I mean, come on, and you know, no alcohol right. abuse over here. So, all right, all right, all right. So, what canned IPA do we have today? All right, Matt. So you're right. It's another IPA. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking something called Smashing Hops. It's from a brewery called Ellipsis Brewing. Is that a sexual yeah. reference? Mike, smashing? No, I don't think so. You sure? Um, but it it does have like a little Zelda thing on the the thing. If you can, that's Link, not Zelda. That's Link. Yeah, Everybody sorry. always gets Link. that wrong. Link is the main character. He's the man. Zelda's right. the the princess that you're rescuing. Jesus, Mike, you used to be a gamer. Come on. I know. I'm sorry. Anyway, I was playing Borderlands three today for the first time in a long time. Finally, freaking nice. Do you have fun? It. Yeah, I like that game. It's a lot of fun. You need to play it. It's awesome. I know. I do. Best Borderlands ever. It's so freaking huge. The levels are so big. If you thought they were big in one and two, you have no idea. <laughs> nice. That sounded like a sequel. Yeah, it's it's crazy. <laughs> like it's absolutely crazy how big those levels are. They take forever. Luckily, they added some new cars, and a couple of them are really fast. So. Well, Mike, then does that mean it's my time? I can't talk today. No, you can't. Mike, does that mean it is time for my most important question of the podcast? Um, I think so, man. Unless there's anything else you want to talk about the movie before we get into it. Uh, how was your theater going experience? I understand that it was very uh, pleasant and not very full and wonderful. It was great. Absolutely amazing. For those of you in the Prescott area, which I don't think is probably many of you because I've been looking at the numbers on our downloads, I went and saw 1917 on opening night, which was Thursday, January 10th. 
it was snowing here and people were sliding all over the place and losing their damn minds because there were no plows and it was absolute chaos. Well, ah. I went to the late show on opening night at 945 and I was the only one there in the big theater. It was amazing. Man, that's the way to see it. I'll tell you what. It was so good. Like like I've said um, too many times on the pod and Matt was jealous. I had a screening and I saw it on Tuesday of this last week. And it happened to be in their Dolby Atmos Theater, which was awesome. And everyone who was there wanted to see it. And they make you turn off your phones and stuff because there's like, you know, screening rules and Piracy. stuff. So like, yeah. yeah, like, so they're like super like watching the theater and stuff, making sure no one's like doing anything on their phones. And I loved it. I loved just watching it without phones and people talking. It was the way it should be seen, and I loved it. I really wish we had a Dolby Atmos Theater here. That would be really nice, but Prescott, I don't think, is a large enough market. And I know Harkins is slowly upgrading their theaters, but they're not upgrading ours yet. They've started upgrading the ones in the Valley. They're going more towards the luxury stuff with their recliners and all those kinds of things. Hopefully, when they get to Prescott and they do that, maybe they'll turn like one of the theaters into uh, Dolby Atmos. That would be just amazing. It would be so awesome, but yeah, yeah. At, at this theater, we saw. I think it was like a twentyplex. It was like they have one Atmos theater, so it's it's not They're expensive, like, man. It, yeah, yeah, they really are. All right, Mike. So let's get to it. The most important question of the podcast, Mike. How does Benedict Cumberbatch, starring in 1917, relate to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Oh, man, that was a wonderful setup. Thank you for asking. So, said star, Benedict Cumberbatch, is also Doctor Strange in uh, Doctor Strange, the movie, and uh, Avengers Endgame, and Avengers... Um... No, I'm, th- I'm forgetting the other one. Infinity War? Infinity War, yep. Jesus, Mike. Jesus, our namesake is the our bread and butter, our bread and butter. I know. Jesus, Mike. Yep. So, okay. So, spoilers from here on out. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's do it. Go first, Mike. So, Matt, I I could not like um, I was I was amazed uh, I was amazed at how this movie was set up to be essentially a single shot. Now I understand it wasn't a single shot and there was some some movie magic here and there and different like kind of natural cuts in it. Some scenes when it goes black and like explosions and things are like cut scenes instead of like normal type cuts. But just the sheer planning of how to do that, like there's there's a couple scenes like the one of the uh kind of towards the beginning with the trench and like them just following the soldiers in the trench. I was like, how the heck did they do this? This was awesome. Well, I like how they did it because if you pay close attention, you can see all the stuff that's going around and behind them and to the side of them and everything. And that adds a lot to the feel and the sense of this film and how the war really was. 
versus these two main characters just walking down a trench because that's essentially all they're doing. They're walking down a trench talking and you're backing up. You know, they're walking towards you the whole time, which was quite incredible. But it's all the other little elements that are in the background and to the side of the shot and the people that they bump into and stuff that really is what makes that really, really a great shot. Well, well, there's even a parts where um, because it's essentially one shot, like normally they would focus on a character. They would say some words and then another character would say some words. But in this, they didn't do that at all. They would just move the camera to the person, but they made it try. They they tried to plan it out as like n- nicely as they could. And there's like some scenes where they transition the camera to fully like 180 in the trench. And I was like, man, that was beautiful. Like it was so nicely done. I was like, I can't even believe this. And then there's a there's a lake or, or I don't know, like a water feature. I don't even know what you would call it where they're they're going on the edge of it and the camera just goes right over the water it was gorgeous are you talking about the one towards the beginning when they're walking through no man's land when they're just starting new man's land and they land. walk yeah. around the outside of it yeah that's yeah. not a lake that is a i'm going to start getting into history stuff here but that was a crater from a shell oh and it okay. fills with water because in world one of the things world war 1 is known for which they got pretty good but not really is um the mud and the rain uh literally there were some battles where the mud was literally killing people like it was eating people alive the mud because they would just sink down and they couldn't get out and they were in no man's land so they just sit there and suffocate and there would be people screaming for people to come and rescue them and stuff anyways those craters were filling up with the water and when mustard gas was let loose it would become toxic water and Ugh. a lot of the soldiers didn't realize that, and that, that was the only way they could get drinking water, and they were scooping water out. So you had a lot of people that died from drinking the water out of these shell craters. But here's another one. Some of those craters were so deep and filled with so much water that some of the guys drowned in them because they couldn't get out because the craters are not nice, um, smooth sides. They're pretty much almost vertical walls. And so a lot of the soldiers would fall in them, like say they're moving in the middle of the night and stuff. They'll fall in them and they just drown. I mean, World yeah. War One uh. was crazy. Honestly, it was horrific. World War Two was a lot more. I mean, it's as horrible as World War One, but it it was a lot more advanced in the way of using the technology that of modern warfare. You know, tanks, shells. You know, yeah. I mean. They shot so many shells in World War One. I. I mean, people went deaf from how much they were shooting. That's one thing they didn't get 100% accurate was how much shelling there really was. They shelled all the time, both sides, all the time, constantly. Yeah, um, they did kind of uh, touch on the, the food stuff. Um, I mean, that's always an issue with every war. Uh, Starving, yeah. F- mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, feeding, mm-hmm. feeding troops uh, is always a problem. So it's like... You want me to do what and you haven't fed me in three days? Like, like nuts. Yeah. Well, and you know, uh, uh, another good example. I mean, the guy filled his canteen with milk in one scene. I mean, milk at least has uh, uh, some level of uh, calories in it versus water. Water has, doesn't have calories. So at least it'll m- help him keep going, you know, and I 100% believe that for sure. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the he he was actually shocked that there was a cow not dead because it, it seemed like they were shooting all the cows because they they wanted they didn't want anybody to have the chance to eat them, and they didn't want to have a chance to use them if they were milk right. producing cows. Like yeah. like it was it was a tactical decision. Right. They even said that in the film. Yeah, and a lot. I mean, that's one of the reasons why the war finally came to an end was. Uh, uh, Germany just flat out didn't have resources anymore, like at all. Like that's one of the reasons why my home country was uh, taken over was for their resources, and they didn't mm. have much of an army to put up a fight. So, yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. So one of the things I was alluding to earlier, Matt, which I, I didn't want to say too much about, was uh. Part of the reason that we didn't see a lot of Germans in this movie was the this particular uh, few days in in this war that were or I, literally it's supposed to be real time. So it's like over what it's a twenty four hour period. Yeah, it's, yeah I think it's over, supposed to be twenty four hours. Yeah, yeah, over twenty four hour period. Um, we're watching this little segment, and the German happened to do one of their. Uh, extremely, um, I don't know. It's a great war fighting technique, but it's it's pretty terrible. Is they basically retreat like they're giving up, basically baiting the uh, enemy to come into their area, and then go and attack them, knowing where everything is, and and just decimate them. And then some of the stuff is booby trapped as well, but. Yeah, well, this was a very common tactic in World War One for the Germans because the Germans had a much smaller fighting force than the uh, British and the rest of the Allies in France and all them. They had a much, 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 much smaller fighting force. And so one of the tactics they would use is they would start at one line and they would fight and fight and fight at that one line while other people behind them are building a new line and new trenches and new booby traps and new fortifications and new bigger guns and all that stuff. And then they make the signal and they move back to the new line, drawing their enemy into the fresh new area for them to light up where they're, where they don't have reinforcements. They don't have trenches. They don't have their artillery. They don't have their tanks. And they basically sit there and just, you know, like shooting fish in a barrel kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. They like bait him in. I was like, it's a brilliant tactic, but, uh, and that's, that's how the Germans were able to survive on their own for so long. Because of their tactics. And it's horrific, but it worked for a long time. Yeah, for sure. So, man, I you know, I don't think I can b- talk about this World War movie without comparing it to some of the other movies that are quite prolific in the war movie category. Um, you know, we have Dunkirk. of uh, That was last year, right? Yeah, Dunkirk was last year. Or is that two years oh, ago? Oh, I think it was two years ago now. I'm not 100%. All right, all right. But, so we yeah. have Dunkirk, and then we have um, Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. To me, this is kind of a mix of those two in a weird way, but I really like the simplicity of the story because it doesn't need to be complicated, and I loved it. I loved how simple the story was. These, these two soldiers were given a mission, one of the mission or part of the mission for one of the guys is extremely personal. It has to do with his brother, but that's it. 
go do your job. And I loved it. I, I like how they took this one small fragment and told a complete story with it because there's lots and lots of these small little fragments that happened every day. Now I'm going to start getting into, um, I mean, I don't hate it. Again, it's a movie, but the historical facts behind this film is this movie is not historically accurate in any way, shape, or form. This story is completely made up. The colonels, the generals, the main characters, everyone is completely made up, 100%. Yeah, but the, it, it it's still a gist. All right, all right. Yeah, I, I got you. It's I, not. I, I got you. Compared to some of the other movies, it, it, these are fictional characters. Now, don't get me wrong. Saving Private Ryan is also made up. That is not a true story. There's elements of a true story, much like this one, in it. But Saving Private Ryan, D-Day was legit. Oh yeah, that was legit. That happened. There's not really any part in this movie that was referenced as legitimate now the tactic as you said of the germans moving back did happen happened many times um the whole thing of two guys running and trying to drop off a letter saying they need to stop their attack that might have happened but that's not where sam mendes was drawing from uh what he's drawing from on his grandfather is his grandfather was in a battle tried to attack and they got pinned down really bad and they asked someone to volunteer to go and check on the men that were stuck and where their locations were and if they could try and rescue them and report back. And so that's what the story that his grandfather told Sam all the time growing up that he's drew from, which it's similar, but not. I mean, basically what his grandfather did was run around in no man's land during the day, which is effing crazy, trying to figure out where survivors were on this attack that went horribly wrong. Yeah, and he lived no, that, through it. That's that's yeah, what's crazy no, that's, too. That's nuts. Yeah, and that's what his grandfather did. I mean, he won all a medal and everything for it, and just crazy. But that inspired yeah. this whole story. So, I'm not going to slam it. I just there's so many true stories, especially in war, especially in World War One, that he could have drawn from and just did a true story. But again, same with World War II. And they could have done that with Saving Private Ryan, but they chose not to. I don't know if it's so much that they don't want to tell the, a true story or if they just don't want to have that kind of thing like attached to the film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying it's bad. I loved it. I thought, I thought the story was great, how they took this little tiny sliver and were able to make everybody truly feel what it was like to be in the trenches in world war one it was incredible i hope honestly i said this before i hope this inspires a hell of a lot more world war one movies i think that would be fantastic well you know when i was thinking about it just the other day man i could not believe 1917 it's 2020 this was 103 years ago that is nuts man that that is like wow like uh, you know it it's just weird to think about 103 years ago. Yeah, and it was the war to end all wars, and here we are still fighting wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure who came up with that, but I'm sure it was some brilliant, uh, you know, uh, journalist. Yeah, someone. But, um, uh, you know, that doesn't matter. But Matt, now there's not a lot of flying in this movie, but what did you think of the little bit of... of of uh, a little bit dog of dog fighting, fighting. Yeah, the was, l- little bit of uh, scenes that you saw. I mean, it's it's very little. It's it's minute, but yeah, I thought it was very accurate um, because World War One they were flying around biplanes and triplanes. 
uh, I'm shocked, honestly, that they didn't use a, a Fokker DR1, which is the triplane that Germans like to fly. You know, the Red Baron flew one and things like that. Oh, but yeah. The, the Red Germans Baron. did yeah. have biplanes as well. Um, the British and the Americans and just about all the Allied countries flew biplanes if they flew anything. But uh, yeah, back then, they would have been fairly low to the ground by today's standards. They would have been a maybe a thousand feet height tops. So you would have heard and you would have seen and you would have witnessed a lot of these dogfights. It's not like World oh, War II man. where they have that would have been frightening altitude wow. and all this stuff. Yeah, you would have witnessed a lot of this shit. Yeah. So I thought they did a really good job. I, I the outcome of the plane crash I wasn't a huge fan of, but you know, you got to tell a story, and that definitely made it a little bit more urgent. Yeah. Um. I have to say, my favorite scene of the entire film, though, I think was the night city scene because the lighting, the cinematography, the the stress of that whole scene, that whole situation was just incredible. I mean, you're stressed out pretty much through this entire movie from start to finish. Yes. Uh, yeah. Just, just a quick thing on that, uh, not to sidetrack you too much, Matt. I love the length of this movie. It was like two hours, and that, I thought that was perfect. Yeah, two hours done. That's how they should be. Two hours and yep. done. Two and a half hours, three hours is too much, man. It's too much. But Yeah, so, sorry. Honestly, no, dude, very good point. Very good point. But that one scene, granted it was a long scene, I just loved it. How they lit it, how they shot flares, how you know there's Germans out there, and you get like a glimpse of them every now and then. I mean, it was just, I think it's the best scene in this whole film. I mean, yeah, the war scenes and things were cool, but that was just done so well. So well. It was frightening. It really was. Loved it. Yeah, that was a really good scene. That was a that that was a really good scene. I mean, there's so many good scenes. This movie is just like, you know, afterwards, uh, I saw this. Uh, with my wife, uh, Mags, and uh, Maniacal Mags. What podcast and, was that, Mike? I don't know. Uh, 149? Was it 149? I don't know. Um. A- anyway, uh, I saw this with my wife, and she, afterwards, was 150. Like, you were close. You were close. Yeah, a- afterwards, she was just like, wow. I was like, did you like it? She's like, it was... It was wow. <laughs> it was like, wow. <laughs> like, Put that on your was, movie poster, uh, Sam Mendes. Yeah. It was wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it I was, love it. It was <laughs> deeply impactful for her, and I think everyone we were with. It was just wait. You walked wait, out wait, of it. Hold on, hold on. You have friends. Yeah. Is this allowed? Yeah. Uh, we we saw it was with uh, we had a we had a group of six people. Jesus, that's a lot of friends, Mike. Did you pay all of them? Or just no, a couple? No, no. When, when, you, when you have free tickets, there's a lot of new friends. Oh, okay. That um, makes more sense. Uh, so we saw it with some of our, our new friends. And uh, <laughs> no, no, they, they, they were established friends. Um, but we saw it with, with people. And uh, afterwards, everyone was just like. So you've paid them to be your friend before? Yeah. Yeah, everyone was really like just wow you know taken a t- taken aback by the movie yeah they they were all wow um Woo. <laughs> they 
it was very impactful. The movie it was just like you walk out of that theater and you're like, "Whoa, what just happened? That was amazing." And then my first question is, "How the heck did they do that?" That was the one shot. Yeah, it was pretty freaking seamless, and it was pretty gosh darn ridiculous. How like literally start to finish. The the actors. So you you said they had forty takes or whatever, but I mean they, they said just on imagine, average on average every scene had forty to sixty takes on average. That's what they said in the article. Well, just just imagine you're an actor. You have to be in character that entire shot. Like if stuff's going wrong, they have to roll with it. Like every everything like, and, and they have to know all their lines. Uh, now, granted, this isn't a very wordy movie, but. It is a lot, like just everything that's happening and just to be in character. I, I don't know. I felt like, wow, like it's just like technically it was really just amazing to watch and it was done so well. It was, dare I say, epic? Yes. Yes. Epic. That's a good word. Epic's a good word. All right, Mike. Well, after your glowing review there, let's find out how many reels does Mr. Talent give 1917? All right, Matt, this might shock you. No, I don't think so. Unless you give it one reel, then I will be shocked. I'm going to give this one five out of five reels. First perfect score of a new film? Wow. Yeah, see? Look at you. Look at, look at, wow. No, I was burping, sorry. I was oh, trying not oh, to burp right. into the microphone like a, like a good host of a podcast. Oh, okay. All right. So, Mike, I, I, I uh, wanted to give it five. Oh, wow. But I Look didn't give it a five. R- ripping it apart. I'm not ripping it apart. I just, you know, I give it four and a half. I think four and a half is a good score. Wow. Okay. All right. Don't hate. Well, don't hate I, on me. I mean, hey, 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 you know, we, we, we do our different opinions. It's totally real, people. We don't consult about this. You know, it's good. I probably should have given it five, but I think four and a half is good. I think it's a good, nice, solid rating, Michael. Now, I will say, as a, a addition to my reels, if at all possible, try and watch this in the theater. And it is really good in the theater. And hopefully you have an experience like Matt or I, where it was very positive experience with no interruptions of any kind. And you just were able to envelop yourself in the movie. The best way to get that kind of experience too is to go on the off times go to the late show during the week go to the early show unless you live in prescott during the week just go at like off times don't go on friday night at six o'clock or seven o'clock because everyone and their mom's going to be in there because that's when people go general public people go to the movies and they're going to talk and they're going to be on their cell phones and they're going to be crunching their popcorn and all which is fine they're a lot, you know, they're, I'm glad. I am very glad general public go and see movies. That's great. But if you want to go and experience it where you don't have to deal with that crap, go on an off time. That's the, that's my advice. Yeah, no, that's good advice. I, I tend to watch the movies early in the morning in uh, my area because there's not a lot of people, but I understand in, in Matt's area, that's, that's the wrong time to go Dude, because it's yeah. tons of people. I made that mistake once. I saw... Oh, God, who was it? It was their uh, Denzel Washington's first sequel, um, Equalizer 2. Equalizer 2. I went and watched Equalizer 2 at 10 o'clock in the morning, 
1030, something like that, because I went to go flying and the wind started to come up. I got a few flights and I was like, oh, you know what? Screw it. I'll go watch a movie. And I need to watch it anyway so we can record a pod. And I walked in there and the freaking thing was almost sold out. I sat in the back and it was just jammed. The instant the lights went down and the preview started, it was like a parade of retired gentlemen getting up and going to the bathroom from the instant the preview started until the instant the credits rolled. I understand. <sighs> I am probably going to be burdened with prostate problems like everybody else when you get to that age, but it was just, wow. Holy hell. Oh, man. So, yeah, I made that mistake once. All right, Mike. So what are we talking about next podcast, possible podcast after that? You were talking to Popes. So so uh, I, I apologize. I am a super slacker and, and was not able to get with Matt earlier to record two popes, but I believe it will be nominated for some stuff. So I would like to review it. It was a, it is a great movie and it is on Netflix currently. So I plan to review it with Matt here soon. And then also for next week, we were talking about doing bad boys for life. So I, I think we should still do that because that looks it fun. I mean, it's going to be ridiculous, but I think it'll be fun, Matt. Dude, double dose of Michael Bay in January. That's how you start <laughs> yeah. out the year, baby. Michael Bay. Yeah. We're baying it up. Yeah. Yeah, we're baying it up. Let's see how Bay this one is. Yeah, we're starting 2020 off with a Bay bang. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this new decade, <laughs> this new year, we're just, there's just Bay bangs everywhere. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever a bay bang is, we're doing it. So <laughs> you heard it here, people. You heard it here. Real firm, real film nerds. Hashtag bay bang. <laughs> Dude, that's it. We're owning that hashtag. I'm using that. I'm gonna go back all the Michael Bay movies we reviewed. I'm adding bay bang. <laughs> all right. I love it. I love it. Hashtag uh. bay bang. All right, so um, I'm 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 looking forward to that. I don't know what else, Matt. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what else is coming down the coming pipe. Coming out man. after that, yeah. Uh, January tends to be dead. Yeah, award season is kind of coming to a close. There's not a whole lot of summer blockbusters coming. I know there's a couple of horror movies coming out that I don't really have much of an interest. I think if we keep getting more and more numbers on the tributaries, man, I think we should ramp up some of those because there's there's a couple that I wanted to see. I don't know if they came out in theaters or not. I think they might have. But on Amazon, uh, there's a couple on Hulu. There's a couple on Netflix that I would like to see. I think if people like us do, talking about the the streaming movies, I think we should try and uh, you know, ramp that up a little bit. Especially in our okay, slow period, yeah. so yeah, yeah, I'm I'm down for that. Uh, man, Netflix cranking it out, man. I watched this other movie uh, the other day. I something something Moon, like Blue Moon, or I don't know something Moon, and it was a Netflix original movie, and it was actually pretty good. It's kind of a time jumping movie. And I kind of liked it, so maybe maybe we could review that. I don't know. It's 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 probably a little bit off kilter, but. Dude, that's fine. That's well, and I think that's one reason why our tributary podcasts get picked up so hard versus our regular podcasts is because people are looking for something to watch at home and they want to hear if it's worth their time or not. That's just me hoping that's what they're thinking, but 
I could be wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I I think you're you're right. I I don't think a lot of the other uh, pods that do movie reviews pick up as many uh, streaming movies, and I feel like streaming is becoming so big uh, as far as the new movies and stuff. Uh, we'll be glad to uh, fill that gap. Uh, I I enjoy watching most of those movies. Uh, sometimes they're not so great, but you know, Six Underground was beautiful. Just story was a little garbagey. Yeah, it was a bay bang. <laughs> Hashtag. Hashtag bay bang. <laughs> well, okay, let's just do it now. Um, you know, Mike and I will shift through the copious amounts of email we get on a daily basis. If you want to send in your tributary request, say you got a film that you're curious about on Netflix and you don't know if you want to waste two hours watching it, go ahead. Email it to Mike at realfilmnerds.com and we will take your suggestions. We're always open for those. So Yes, absolutely. Email me. Yeah. Bay bang at realfilmnerds.com. <laughs> See now I'm gonna have to make that. <laughs> I'll just forward them all to you. <laughs> yeah, you'll just alias. Nice. Uh it's fun. All right, Mike. Well, uh I don't think I have anything else other than if you do not watch 1917 in the theater, you are doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, I, I, I believe that is a true statement. Maniacal Mags uh, echoes that statement. She, she encouraged me to tell people to watch it in the best format that they could uh, anywhere they could watch it in the theater. Well worth it. So other than that, go spend money, get a popcorn, watch this in the theater. Yeah, this 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 movie deserves. Uh, I mean, there's there's been quite a bit of hype for it, and I was like, ah, you know, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Yes, watch it. So, with that, thanks for listening, everybody. Catch us on all the socials: the Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, we'll catch you on the next pod. Thanks for listening. Hashtag Baybang. Yeah, <laughs> gosh, yes. Hashtag Baybang. Thank you for listening to The Real Film Nerds. Now, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Real Film Nerds. Now, go out and catch a movie.